Good morning. Welcome to the body, Dayton. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys having a good holiday weekend? Yeah? Well, I hope you are. You know, it's, it's kind of a somber one if we really think about it, and I hope you take the time this weekend to think about what this weekend really is, stands for, and um, but, you know, add this, so I, that's just my encouragement to you as we get into that. I, I love holiday weekends, I, usually for me because it means getting together with other people, and I know, like, as a country, whether it be the Memorial Day or just other things that have happened this week, not everybody's able to do that, and so I want to acknowledge that and take a moment to think about that and um, just appreciate what God has given us, and that's an opportunity to stand here this morning and to worship the name of Jesus Christ. And so thank you to Accelerate for leading us this morning. They did such a great job. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, Thank you. All right. Um, So if you're not familiar with the body Dayton, maybe you're on Facebook Live and you just came across our feed. My name is Chansey. I'm the pastor of family and children's ministries here at the church. And... um, This is our fifth Sunday service. So whenever there's a fifth Sunday in a month, um, our Accelerate team comes up here. They lead us in worship, and I get a chance to share with you as the children's pastor. So um, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you guys put up with me as the children's pastor having fun up here on stage. I'm glad Pastor Jeff and Pastor Dwayne let me get up here and do this. So another thing happened this week for a lot of our kids that they might be a little excited about, right? Who finished school this week? Who's excited that they finished school this week? Okay, that was a little better. I, I expected to get a bigger cheer out of that, quite frankly. Um, so, all right. Well, with that, part one of the things we're going to do today and just take a moment here to celebrate and to acknowledge is that some of our kids are moving up, and we tried to make our classrooms age-appropriate so you know they, they, our kids graduate through classrooms in our children's ministry the same way they do at school. Um, and so today we're going to acknowledge some of those just to, so that it's a clear delineation for the kids and for the parents to know that we're kind of transitioning kids into the next class. So um, I, let's see, make sure I get this right. So I'm looking at my wife. I should have had her double check my notes here. So if you just finished first grade and are going into second grade, would you please stand up for me? Any first graders going into second grade? All right, let's clap for them. So we have a classroom called Activity Beach that the first graders have been going to with some of the other kids, and now they're going to move up to our Bible Bay classroom. So they will be in a new classroom starting next Sunday. So parents, if you're not sure where that is or have a question about that, there'll be somebody at Child Check-In to help you through that. Make sure your kid gets where they need to go. All right, how about some of our just-finished third grade going into fourth grade, right? I got that? All right. So anybody just finished third grade going into fourth grade, stand up for me. All right. Some beautiful kids out there. We are really happy for you. This group is going to join our Excel class. So they are transitioning into the Excel class where we've got um, some amazing teachers in there too. Um, Pastor Ben, who was leading worship today, really is kind of the head of that class. And so you guys will be show, starting in the Excel room, our large group room. Um, and so next Sunday, we will see you in there to start the day off and to end the day. Um, so we're glad for that. All right. Finally, we have some older kids. 
You guys are our sixth graders that have just finished sixth graders, so I guess I got to call you seventh graders now. I don't like doing that. I don't know if there's any other parents that have trouble when your kids get older all the time and they got to stop doing that, but they don't seem to want to stop doing that. So, but because you're older, I get the chance to embarrass you a little bit more. Well, my goal is not to embarrass you, quite frankly, but I know it can be hard at times. So I'm going to ask all of our kids that have just finished sixth grade or going into seventh grade, could you please come up to the stage with me? Bring it up here. So these, this, there's a couple more that aren't, able, aren't here today, but this group right here are pretty amazing. And I just want to let you guys know as parents, um, you know, as teachers and other parents downstairs, we see the leadership that this crew um, exhibits, whether it be in worship or serving or other ways in the classroom. And we're really proud of you guys. And we're going to miss your leadership in the classroom. You guys have done a great job of, of showing the younger kids what it means to seek after God and, and you're growing. And so now I have to transition you into another classroom. So with that, um, Miss Amanda mentioned before our collective. That's our 7th through 12th grade class here at the church. And that is led up by John, Matt and Amanda, Kelly and Olahana, and this is all of our 7th through 12th graders. So I know this is a big difficult, well, hopefully not too difficult, but a big transition time in your life as you guys grow up. But we are going to welcome you into the next classroom. So can all of my collective students come up here and stand around these kids, as well as the leaders, John, Kelly, Olahana, Matt and Amanda, you guys are welcome to come up here. We are gonna we're gonna pray over these kids because this is the collective, and they are getting welcomed into, and you know they're in a stage of life where I think they probably notice more and feel if they're going from the the big fish in the little pond to the little fish in the big pond kind of thing, right? And so we are gonna welcome them in. Is is Pastor Ben around too? Or is he back? Oh, there he is. Okay, he's here good too. Good. So Ben has been loving on mentoring and teaching these kids for years, not just in the Excel class, but at, up and through the Excel class. So we're going to pray over you guys as you transition into this new class, what God is doing in your life. So I'm going to ask Ben to go first, kind of in the handing them off, and then we're going to hand it over to John to pray over them as they come in. Father God, thank you so much for these kids that, that you've given us here at the Body Dayton. God, uh, we just, I, I, the, the ones that I've had in my class, I've seen them grow so much. Uh, I'm not going to pick anybody's names out to embarrass anybody, but one specific person up here uh, I've seen come out of their shell so much, God. And I know that you have such big things in store for all these kids, but God, I just, I lift them up to you. I, I, I pray as they move forward that that Holy Spirit that we've talked about, we've learned about, just dwells inside of them. And this crazy world that we live in, God, they can share that love of Jesus with other people as they, as they move up, God. And I just pray as they do move up and go into the collective, God, I just pray that, that the collective just receives them in and just welcomes them, which I know they will. But God, I know that they will bring another side of, of things for, for the older kids to even learn. Uh, so, God, I just give you all the glory. And John? 
Actually, I want to say something before I pray, if that's all right. Actually, I'm going to come down here, and I'm, I'm not ignoring you guys, but I want to talk to you guys for a sec. I don't have anything scripted. I just want to say, I saw a lot of you before you went into Pastor Ben's class, and you weren't ready to make, take that next step. And now you're like, Made way more mature than half the kids in the class already. No, I'm just joking. No, but uh, I, I want you to know that you are officially a part of the collective, and I want you to look around, look at the people behind you. It's okay. There's nobody in here saying, oh, man, I can't believe that person's coming into the class. No, it's, we're excited. We're excited to have you, and these are going to be your peers, and you're not less than or have to earn something. You're in the collective, and we're going to be held accountable, and we're going to develop. See, studies say that here in America, three out of four of you won't be in church anymore by the time you turn 19. Three out of four? Church, this entire class is Priority number one. Amen. Number one. But in this class, we're not going to just focus on self. If you have questions, we'll answer them. Our job now is to get our feet wet and serve your community, just like the Bible teaches us. Okay? It's not about self-preservation. It's about going out into this community and preaching the gospel and getting ready to work for the mission for the rest of your life, okay? So if we could just, this is crazy. Could we just all pray for them? Could we just all come up and pray? I believe in laying hands on people. So let's, let's all come up and let's all pray for them. The entire youth group. Sorry, y'all. I made it really weird, didn't I? <laughs> God, we thank you for the responsibility you've put on us with these students, with these teens, with all these kids in this church. I feel a calling on this entire church. It's been so clear that it's 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 time to act and when you say go into all nations and preach the gospel baptizing them in the name of Jesus this is also the mission field right here and also in our community protect these teens god we trust in you god only served by your grace god Give us the words of wisdom to teach these kids and give them the words of wisdom to be mentors to their peers in this group. And as we move forward, have your way. Let your kingdom come, not our goals. In your precious name we pray, amen.
Well, to our Facebook family, um, we aren't normal. Um, <laughs> this probably doesn't happen a lot of places. I hope it does. Um, if you're on Facebook, you probably didn't get to walk through the doors this morning. Um, but at our church here, when you walk in the doors at the back of the sanctuary, it's over it, it says acceptance, authenticity, and action. This was, this was that happening, right? Because in teens and in high school that our kids are moving towards, right, that acceptance is hard. And sometimes it costs compromise. In our lives, we've seen it happen. Sometimes it's been us doing it to achieve that acceptance. But none of that was, there is no compromise needed. The, the collective said, you're welcome here just as you are. But that's not different than the rest of our church, is it? If you're out there and you want to come here, come on. You're going to be accepted. And by the way, we're coming after you, so expect to see us soon. Uh, I am so happy to share with you guys today. I, I feel like I'm done, man. Did you guys just see that happen? I mean, Jesus... Jesus doesn't do things like the rest of the world does things, right? We've seen that. We read that. Sometimes it's how it's we see it actually happen. It's, it's a little weird and uncomfortable when people are like laying hands on people. But man, the spirit moves and the spirit moves in this place. I love our church and I love the body of Christ and being together. And I love getting to be a children's pastor too. Um, I love that you put up with me being a children's pastor. Um, so you're going to get a little bit of that part. Mainly that means like I like to teach in an interactive manner. So if you came today expecting to just sit in the pew, you can do that. But I'm expecting you to, you know, respond some too. All right. So let's do this. So at our house, we enjoy games, all kinds of games. And so I want to hear some of your favorites. Now there's generally some different categories people kind of put games into um, whether it be genres or whatever. I'm, but I'm going to kind of maybe go into a little bit more like style of play, right? So let's go with board games. Throw out some of your favorite board games. Risk. risk. I knew that was coming from Kelly. Kelly's a huge Risk fan. That's awesome. Who else? Hmm? Monopoly. Okay. Kids, come on. Life. All right. Good. Udo's not a, car, or a board game. It's coming. I'll, I'll come back to you, girl. I'm coming back. Oh, look, the second bullet on the list was card games. So what's, what's the favorite card game? Uno. Uno. All right. What another one? Dutch Blitz. Phase 10. Trash. Trash. All right. These are, you guys are doing awesome. I got to play Euchre Friday night. That has been a while since I played Euchre. So that was great. So we had some friends show up that I hadn't seen in a while and they're like our euchre buddies. We love to play. So if other people like to play euchre, let us know. We could use more. So love playing euchre. All right. Then there's like, think like group games. Tell me some of your favorite group games. I like, to me, when I define that, I think in like apples to apples, right? Like big, get group of people together and play. Give me some other group games you like playing. Taboo. Five crowns. Five crowns. All right, good. What Pictionary. Catchphrase. All right, great. Gestures is one we played the other day at our house, right? That one always makes me laugh. Um, gestures is good. One. All right. So there's all these different types of games. There's another kind of set of games that has, you know, come on since 
the 80s, I guess, right? And it's video games, right? Which I think I'm going to, there's, there's a lot of video game fans in here, right? Right? Yeah, even us, even us in our 40s, like we played video games, right? So, all right, give me some of your favorite video games. Zuba, Mario Brothers, Animal Crossing. What? Pong. I thought you said palm. All right. So yeah, there's 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 a whole range of video games that are fun too. And video games, some some card games, board games have this concept too. But one thing that the video games have the ability or have in their genres and they pull in a little bit more is the idea of leveling up your character, right? Right? So there are certain games that you can play and you start out at like level one and you got to do, you know, they walk you through the first level and you like do something. Basically like click here, click here, and then you like completed the first task and you go to level two. Right? And then eventually like they're not helping you along as much that you know how to play the game and so you keep leveling up your character. Right? And so I, I played one of those games where I was doing that and I, I got to like the max level. Right, and I was like, "Oh, I'm done." I walked away. Well, I came back a little while later to and picked it up. I was like, "Oh, that was a fun game. I just want to see what happened." Well, I was no longer max level, right? They'd added like 300 levels above it. Like, I'm so cool. I'm level 20, and they're like, "Yeah, dude, I'm like level 265." So, yeah. So leveling up is like this concept in games, right? And you're always trying to get your character a little better, right? And you've got attributes of your character. Sometimes you're you want your character to have better offense or better defense, or more health, or more range, or all these other things that play into the game, right? I know my kids are really into the Zuba game right now, right? And they love it. And I know there's a bunch of other kids here, right, that play this game, right? And your character, you can level them up, and they're, they're little animals. Well, this idea of leveling up, you know, we see it in video games, but I want to kind of talk through a little bit of what that looks like in our lives. And Really, I got to step before I to to be able to do that. I have to step back a little bit and share with you. Like sometime when when you speak, like God tells you what to say, and like, hey, I want my people to know this, right? And other times, like I've just been like chewing on the last two messages that have been brought to us, and so today it's really going to be born out of just my processing and researching and studying based upon what Pastor Dwayne and Pastor Jeff have said the last two weeks. And if you go back to Pastor Dwayne's message, the verse that God's been rattling around in my head over and over and over again was when he went to Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. And it said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this. So they were talking about the greatest commandments, right? And Jesus said, and the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, Right? So that verse has been playing in my head. Well, if you don't know, I was born and raised in a Christian family. Um, we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I went to church a lot. I got saved at a young age. So this whole idea of love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength is something I'd been taught for a long time. So I was like, God, why do you have this rattling around in my head? I know I need to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, why do you keep bringing this verse back to me? For the two weeks, this verse has been bouncing around in my head at just random times, this verse will come back to me. And I'm like, God, what are you trying to say to me? And I'm struggling with it. Like, God, how many of you guys, you guys remember um, the story in the Bible when Jesus 
is, uh, meets them, meets the disciples on the shore, right? And he's talking to Peter. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Right? And it's just, Peter's like, well, yeah. Right? Oh, that's, that's my cartoon 2020 version of it, right? And he's like, okay, feed my sheep. Sure. I'll feed the sheep, right? And a little bit later, Jesus comes back and goes, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah. And, and you know, he's almost starting to get, like, annoyed the more this gets asked. This was me this past two weeks. I'm like, God, I get it. Of course I love you. Why, is, why do you keep running this verse through my head? And I'd like to say I was smart enough to kind of figure it out, but it finally the two by four hit maybe to my head and it started to sink in that I was reading or interpreting this whole question that this verse was playing out in my head the wrong way. Because when I answered the question, it was, yes, I have done that. But do you get, do you get why that's completely wrong? Because I turned... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength into a bar that was this high, and now that I'm here, I'm done. I've achieved it. I'm level three. I'm good, right? I don't have to worry about that anymore. But I totally missed the point of what Jesus was, I think, trying to tell me when he was running that verse over and over through my head, popping up at weird times, and I was like, no, no. I, I didn't tell you to get love me this much, right? Because does love, is love a level? No. You know, I've been married over 15 years now. Did, did I love my wife enough to marry her and then it stayed there? No. Love grows. Love grows over time. And so when I was reading this, and this verse just over and over that Pastor Dwayne shared with us, this was this part that God was playing in my head. And so in the middle of that, right, comes last week. And what happened last week? Oh, Pastor Jeff speaks, right? And he's going over verse after verse. I, I love the way you presented that, Jeff. It was great. And it was like struggling with kind of like God's perspective on sin, right? And like, this is what the Bible says. It's not easy for me to understand. It's not easy for me to explain. But this is what the Bible says about sin, right? And so I've got this on this side, what Pastor Dwayne's gone, like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all the strength of your mind, all your strength. And on this side, I've got Pastor Jeff talking about, like, God's perspective on sin. But that starts, like, smashing around in my brain, too. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm a Christian. I'm good. Right? Like, I love you. I'm not, a, I'm not like, out there sinning all the time. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, I've, I've leveled up past, like, where sin owns me level, right? I'm, I'm like, level that plus one, you know? But I'm, 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 I'm above that level. And we know, and I know better. I know, and it, it wasn't that I was, I don't have sin in my life. It was that I felt like I'd got, you know how it felt like, but I was struggling with feeling like I was above enough of a level that I wasn't focusing on it anymore, right? So there's a difference between me focusing on continuing to hone my skill and I'm good enough, right? There's the, 
I love basketball. I grew up playing basketball. And when I was in high school, I practiced basketball all the time. I honed that skill to play basketball. Once I graduated high school and I wasn't on a team anymore, right? I was good enough to play pickup with my friends, but I stopped honing the skill, right? When we address sin in our lives, I might be good enough that the people of the church don't know, I don't see my sin, and I'm good enough. I'm not passed out drunk when I show up on Sunday morning. Nobody knows my problems. I'm like halfway sober, or, and, and I'm, that was just picking one that wasn't trying to pick on anything, right? But that, you know, I, I've cleared my browser history before I came to church on Sunday. I, I, I said I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter that I was angry at my family this week, right? I, so, so here you got, this is where I've been struggling this week, right? So, or, well, the past two weeks is love the Lord your God, and I made it a level I needed to get. I got, this is God's perspective on sin, and I had made it a level that I was supposed to be at. And then we got all our kids graduating and leveling up to the next level. And so the question came to in my head was, what does leveling up as a Christian look like? How do I, how do I le- take it to the next level? Well, sometimes when we try to describe something, our brain goes down the path of, well, what is it not? Right? So let's take a quick peek at that. Because there are several common misconceptions of what leveling up as a Christian looks like. Sometimes, I'm guilty of this, sometimes leveling up a Christian, I think it looks like volunteering more, serving more. Oh, I'm a good Christian. I, I'm, in, I'm in this ministry and this ministry and this ministry and this ministry. Right? I'm leveled up. You know, and I want to go another level, I will add another thing to that. Right? That's not what I'm talking about, because that's not really leveling up as a Christian. It's, you're not judged by how many places you serve. Right? What about, oh, I got it now. I am in charge of X. I serve at Church Y, and I'm in the head leader, super person of the organizing the hymnals division, right? I, I mean, I've, we, we, we love titles as humans, don't we? We've got, you know, there, what was it? My kids had their, um, that Zuba game they're playing, and their character got leveled up to the point where they were called a, what was it, Hannah? Is it Grandmaster? Yes, Grandmaster. They were Grandmaster. We love titles, Right? And, man, so I've leveled up as a Christian because now I am in charge of the committee on, I don't know, who cares, right? And not, they're needed, and I'm not downplaying the work that these groups do, right? Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying that when I judge my Christianity by what I serve in and what roles I have in where I serve, I've missed it, right? Do you see the difference? Because we're, taught, we're called and told to serve. I, we need people that are going to be the children's ministry teachers. We need people that are going to lead the worship teams. We need people that are going to run the sound in the back. We need people that are going to clean the toilets. We need people that are going to greet at the front door. All those things. We need volunteers. And we love you. Thank you for doing that. But that's, 
that's not what the Bible says judges your next level as a Christian. Maybe if I am enough that they hand me a microphone and put me in front of this church to speak to the body Dayton and all of Facebook live, then maybe I've leveled up, right? Am I, am I at Christian level X because now I can speak in front of a microphone? No, that was never what God, that's never the way God played it. Okay, so if it's not those things, what does leveling up as a Christian mean? And, you know, sometimes when I study, like I got to study and study and study and like to know what I'm supposed to write down. And I got to that first part and like without even thinking, I was like, number one, speak less. Where did that come from? Like I, I just immediately like wrote that down and I'm like, God, why did I write that down? I didn't even know what that means. What are you talking about? And so I started going through this and I was like, okay, what do you mean by speaking less, right? And I think this applies both to... Um, when I'm reading my Bible and praying, because those can often be very intertwined, right? And so think of it both the same way. Let's, let's look at Psalm chapter 46, verse 10. It says, Be still and know that I am God. Be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, sometimes I, I can walk into my prayer time or to my Bible study time, and I've got like, this whole list queued up, like, all right, God, it's time, let's go. A, B, C, and I'm talking and talking and talking and talking. And like, all right, thanks, God, see you later. I'm out. You know, if I want to take it to the next level as a Christian, I need to do more than just vent to God. And I'm not trying to undermine that. There are, our emotions are hard, and man, we've had weeks where we just need to pour it all out to God, right? We, we sometimes do it with other people. Sometimes we just go into prayer. I mean, and we just need to let it out to God. I'm not downplaying that, and I'm not saying don't do that. God is the perfect person to kind of let it all out to. But this isn't so much even really a verbal thing as it is a spiritual one right? It's, if I'm going to really have a conversation, it's two-way, right? So this speak less really came to me in that, that when I go into my time with God, I make sure I leave time to be still and know that he is God. Because I can walk in and say, God, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and I'm going to go fix it. See ya. Because we don't have time for God to, to listen and know what God has to say to us. But he says, be still and know that I am God. I handle this stuff. I can help you. But I'm so busy. I'm an engineer. I'm a problem solver by nature. And I just want to come up with a way to make it better. I want to fix it. I want to adjust something. And if it's going really good, I bet it can go better. Just give me some more time to figure out a way. Right? And that's just ingrained in me. As an engineer, that's the way I look at problems. So I want to go solve it. And so being still and letting and, and know that he is God and letting him speak to me versus me going and try to solve it is hard for me to do sometimes. I don't know if you guys struggle with it. Like I said, this is all about what God's been dealing with me the past two weeks. So I hope you're along for the ride. 
Um, all right, so this comes back to, so what, let's go back to the Bible. Did God want a two-way conversation with people, right? Let's talk, like, look at some of the people. Let's start in the Garden of Eden. So this, this verse, there's a verse that after Adam sinned, right, it talks about God came to speak with Adam in the cool of the evening, right? And the way that's written, generally it's interpreted to say that this was a normal thing for God to just show up and be like, hey, Adam, let's talk. Can you imagine how cool that had to be? Like, I don't know if it happened a lot. Before sin, did that happen for a thousand years? I don't know. You know, I mean, without sin in our life and destruction, how long did this go on? But there was this, this time where the way God created the world and before sin entered the world, where there was apparently the opportunity for Adam to just walk with God in the cool of the evening, because at least that was the intention that day, right? Okay, well, I mean, that was Adam. That was before sin. Does God really still want to have conversation with people? Well, let's see. There was this guy called Moses, right? And he often would go into the tent of meeting. I mean, that's what they named it, because that's where Moses went and met with God. And he didn't just fall on his face and pray in there. Because when he came out, they had to put coverings over his face. Because his face glue, glowed, whatever. Was bright. I don't know. If, if somebody's face looks bright when they walk out of the tent and you're in the middle of the desert. Where the sun is beating on you and glowing off the sand. And his face is still bright. Man, what did that have to be like? Sorry, that's engineer. Like, contrasting the depth. Never mind. Okay. So, just think about it, though. In the desert, if there was something brighter than the sun. Man, okay. Let's go. Moving on. Okay. There's another guy that I skipped over in there. His name was Enoch. Does anybody remember the story of Enoch? Right? At the time period, people were living like 900 years. Right? This was pre-flood. Enoch comes in there, and Enoch, the Bible says Enoch walked with God, and then Enoch was not. I mean, you're leaving me hanging here on what that means, but if I start to fill in the blanks a little bit, like Enoch walked with God, and then Enoch was not. So I'm guessing Enoch's up there with God, still walking around talking with God. I mean, but the, God's desire, like God was so happy with his guys, like, hey, I'm not leaving you down there so much, you gotta move in with me. Come on up, let's do this, right? And sorry, children's pastor brain. Like I'm just playing around. So read your Bible, these stories are amazing, right? So if God wants to have a conversation, bring this all the way back around, right? is God wants to have a conversation with me. I need to speak less and be willing to hear what he has to say to me. This is why I read my Bible, because it is God's word written to me to understand. So if I want to level up to the next level, I have to, you can't just play a game and not know how the game is played, right? You have to learn. God has written it all out for us in the Bible. So for me to level up to the next level. I've got to stop talking and listen to what God has to say to me 
through his spirit when I'm praying, through his word when I'm reading, right? Maybe that also means sitting under the word in church, right? God speaks to us through our amazing pastors that share with us. And on Sundays and Wednesdays, if you didn't know, Deep End is awesome. Um, so they, thank you guys for all you pour into us. All right, so all that being said, now I'm going to come back around to guys because we're guys and we do things a little differently. Here's a little bit. We're going to go back in the brain to marriage counseling, right? Some of us have been through that. Some of us listen better than others in marriage counseling, but Marriage counseling, young men, listen to this, you're going to need to know this. In marriage counseling, they tell you, sometimes your wife will come to you with a problem, but she's not looking for a what? She's not looking for a solution. Now, when Holly comes to me and says, so in those situations, right, they want a relationship, communication, right? They want to connect. They want you to understand where they're at. I thought about trying this when she came to me the other day. But the problem was that she was coming to me because there was a spider. So I thought about sitting like, oh, how does that make you feel? Tell me about that. How does that make your best friend feel? How does that, you know, that's not what she was looking for, right? Like there's times where she's coming for an answer, like, go kill that spider and get it out of my house, right? But there's other times, right, and quite honestly, many times, where the goal is relationship. And God wants that with us. And for me to, if she starts, there's times where I can anticipate what she's saying, and I've made this mistake before, and she was gracious enough not to smack me in the face, but where she was coming to me with a problem, and I'm like, oh, I already know what her problem is. I'm just going to cut her off mid-sentence and tell her the answer, and we'll be done with this. I can get back to whatever it is I'm doing, right? (laughs) Don't ever do that. So the point, though, guys, is relationship, right? Is to stop talking long enough to listen to what God has to say. Back to the verse that Pastor Dwayne read to me. Love the Lord with all your God, with all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I can almost cut that message off and be like, I know this one, I'm good. But if I'd have done that, the last two weeks, I would have missed what God was trying to pour into my head. If I'd have listened to Pastor Jeff say, This is what how God views sin, and I'm like, dude, I I've been in church my whole life. I know how God views sin. He don't like it. Good enough. We're good, right? This is boring stuff. I know this. I know the answer. But if I do that, I miss what God was really trying to say to me in that. And I've belabored this point a long time already today, and I'm sorry I'm taking so long to try to communicate this, but listen instead of speak. So my first point, if you want to level up, kids, you got to speak less and listen more. I've got great kids And there's times where, you know, I'll be like, have you done your chores? And I, I, sometimes I don't even get it out of my mouth. Well, it's it's not my day to do that, right? Or that's so-and-so's job today, right? They're already 
they're already responding before I get to talk to them. Kids don't do that, right? Listen, practice listening to the whole conversation ahead of time because this is going to serve you well in your whole life, but most importantly in your spiritual life because we're not going to grow if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All right. Let's go to John chapter 10, verses 26 and 27. It says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. So the sheep know the shepherd's voice. I'm not going to know God's voice if I'm cutting him off before I listen to what he has to say. If I always go into his presence telling him about my day, telling him about my week, telling him about whatever's bothering me, I don't hear his voice. I don't listen to his voice. And it says, and I give them eternal life. The way that sentence is structured, there's a need to know his voice, right, before the eternal life part comes. If I'm not willing to listen to him, did I ever really yield to him? All right. Hearing his voice. Back to games. How many of you guys have ever played one of those games? This is more like a group game where you're blindfolded and you have to like walk through a maze. Or you're in the middle of the room and there's things hidden on the floor and your team's screaming at you from the sidelines, go left, go right. And it's the first to find the little thing on the ground, right? Have you guys ever played those games? Yeah. So... If you're there and you hear all of the screaming, right, it's hard to know what's your team, who's telling you which way to go. You might hear somebody yelling to go right, but they're yelling for that team, right? The best way to win that game, right, is to pick one voice that you know and listen to that voice. It's a little secret. I'm passing along. You guys are going to win now. No, I'm just kidding. The But... I have to know that voice. If I did that game with a bunch of strangers, it would be a lot harder than if I did that game and my wife was there because I know her voice. And I know she's not going to tell me to go the wrong way unless she's on the other team, then she probably would be. But (laughs) knowing the voice is important. And in, in that game, we can't see which way to go. And you know what? I can try to plan out my life, but I realize that life's going to be complicated. It's going to be hard for me to see which way to go. So taking the time to listen to God's voice will navigate me through that maze or help me to find the next step. So that was, that was my game that really stuck out to me when I was thinking about this. Also, listening is important in our relationship with others. I've already kind of talked about husbands and wives a little bit. But James 1.19 was too good not to throw up on the screen. So my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I don't need to say much more about that. It's pretty clear. So this principle that God places into our lives applies in our relationship with him, but it also applies in our relationship with others. All right, so step number one for leveling up, listen more, speak less, right? All right, so what's the second thing? Because there's got to be more than one point, although I avoided the three-point sermon today, so this is only number two. 
That's all you're getting. Unless God changes that. We'll see. I don't know. All right. So, loving more. I mean, this doesn't seem hard. We're in the church. God is love, right? And we talk about this all the time. But what does loving more really mean? What does it look like on a day-to-day basis? So I wanted to pull up. Remember when Jesus was saying the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind? Love, right? And the second is like to it, it's love your neighbor as yourself, right? So let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48 and see what it has says. You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of the Father in heaven and cause his son to rise on the eve and the good and the send rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even tax collectors and sinners doing this, right? If you greet only the people that your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Wow. So love, okay. Back in verse 43, he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbors and hate your enemies, right? But then this is, this is kind of that change, right? Because we know in the New Testament, when Jesus is speaking, he talks about, he also says, love your enemies, Pray for those that persecute you, right? So this phrase of, um, that Pastor Dwayne brought up with love the Lord your God with all your heart, the, first, the greatest and second greatest commandment, right? Shows up a couple different times in the New Testament. And um, one of those instances, there was a teacher of the law trying to trick Jesus, right? And then he says, well, trying to, and the Bible says, trying to justify why he was asking the question, he followed up with, well, then who is my neighbor, right? And then we get the parable of like the Good Samaritan, right? And so I like to flip it the other way and says, if I'm supposed to love my enemy, well, then who's my enemy? Wow, that's an interesting thought. I mean, we live in America. Most of the people around us are friends, They're not really enemies. Well, well, well. Let's play a game. So, this game's pretty simple. You have to know two words. Enemy and neighbor. And I'm not sure you're all going to agree on the answers, but I want you to yell them out. And we do some stuff like this in the children's ministry, so the kids, you guys are familiar with this game, right? So, we're going to, I'm going to ask a question, you're going to say, and you're going to tell me if that's like, if that person is an enemy or a neighbor, right? So let's start out with an easy one. Is this an enemy or a neighbor? That guy who chews with his mouth open. Enemy or neighbor? Enemy. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree with you on that one. All right, let's take it a little harder. We've just come through a pandemic. People decided to get upset about all kinds of stuff, and they don't just get a little bit upset. They get upset to level 10. So somebody who still wears a mask, or maybe somebody who refuses to wear a mask, enemy or neighbor. But they're at the other side of the issue. Oh, okay. 
What about vaccines? Enemy or neighbor? Well, that's a little harder. No, it's not. Is it? Right? Okay, okay. Hmm. Rise of Skywalker. Enemy or neighbor? <laughs> I knew I'd get some of you on that one, right? Right? Some people, that movie, that genre, whatever, some people are, love it, some people hate it, right? Okay. Coworkers, enemies or neighbors? <laughs> Man, where do you guys work? Wow. I'm, this is on Facebook Live. They may see what you just said. No. All right. Enemy or neighbor. Okay. How about the husband who forgot to put the seat down again? <laughs> no grace in this place. Man. People who like black licorice. Wow, you guys are on the enemy side today. There's a couple of other social issues you know I could throw out here right now. I don't even need to say them. You know what they are. But the person on the other side of that issue, whether you consider them an enemy or a neighbor, you have to take it back into the context of what the Bible says. And what does the Bible say about my neighbor? Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Well, at least I don't have to do that for my enemy because the Bible says that I have to love my enemies too. Oh. What a useless game. I just tricked you all. <laughs> because at the end of the day, whether they're my enemy or they're my neighbor, the rules are still what? Gotta love them. I need to love more. Well, that, okay, I get it. I've been in church a long time. I know I'm supposed to love other people. Okay, so what does, what does that look like? What does loving others look like? That's hard to explain because in the midst of a given situation, it, it can be the way we show love needs to be different, but it's still showing love. Again, this is one of those for me, it's almost easier to look at the other side. How many of you guys have ever played the snake game? Like, it's a little video game where the, you start out as this teeny bitty little snake, right? And you, you, like, move around. And every time you eat a dot, what happens? You get bigger. You keep wanting more and more, right? And the snake will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it gets harder because now you are everywhere and all of those things. And your snake is huge. But what happens in the end? Why do you always... What happens? What always happens? Eventually, the snake comes back around to what? To self. The more I want, the bigger I can get, and I can keep getting bigger and bigger and eating more like that snake in the video game, but ultimately the snake comes back around to self, and when the snake gets back to self, death. We can try so hard to have a great life, and we want these little things, and we keep growing, and that keeps growing and keeps growing. But ultimately, when I keep wanting more for myself, it always leads to death. 
So flip that back the other way around. What does love look like? Love stops putting me first and starts putting them first, right? Love does not say what's best for me. Love does not say, follow your heart and do what makes you happy. That's not love. Because ultimately following my heart and doing what makes me happy, which is definitely eating high on my list, (laughs) it does make me happy. Just like that snake, it's going to lead to death. Because that's not what God wanted for us. He wanted love. So how am I going to show love? Who am I going to show love to? Well, like I said, you guys are on along for the ride of what God's been doing in my head um, and in my life the past two weeks. And on Wednesday, I had the really cool opportunity to go with John and Kelly and the collective to a place here in Dayton called the Dream Center, where they got to kind of tour what was going on there. And this is this whole facility set up to serve the poor and the needy and those in our community that need help. Other times here as a church, for VBS, we raise money to, to work with an organization called Target Dayton. We've put together Christmas presents and all kinds of stuff like that to give through Target Dayton to the poor and the needy in our community. But going there Wednesday reminded me that I've got this really bad habit that I've already talked to you about of having a line that as long as I was over that, I was good enough. I, I gave to Target Dayton. We put Christmas presents together. We renovated a room for them. We, I, I, I'm good enough, right? And then, as the Bible has this habit of doing... I read a verse and God talks to me through it. Okay, Chancy, like what would it what would it say? Okay. First John 3:17. If someone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Ooh. I mean, I had pity when I gave at VBS 2 years ago. I mean, is that good enough? How can the love of God be? This reminds me of that ver- where Jeff was throwing the verses up there, right? And you're like, I don't like how that one makes me feel. Because <laughs> I thought I was enough that I qualmed the guilt. All right. It, it probably can't get worse from there, right? Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. How many of you have seen that meme, that little like awkward, you know, it's like the little stuffed animal, almost looks like a monkey or whatever, and his eye, he's like looking this way, but his eyes are over this way. Like, that's how I feel, like, wait a minute. Shuts their ears to the cry of the poor, will also cry out and not be answered. But I'm a Christian. God will answer me. Is there a qualifier in there? I don't see one. God, that makes me uncomfortable. Okay, I'm supposed to show love. And God's throwing all these, God puts me at the dream center. Then I'm reading this verse, and then this verse. Oh, it doesn't stop. Let's go over a chapter later, Proverbs 22, 9. The generous themselves will be blessed, 
for they share their food with the poor. Now, this is an easier verse to, to read, isn't it? Because I can read this and go, the generous will themselves be blessed. I like the sound of that. For they share their food with the poor. Well, I've done that. But does leveling up say, over and over, I feel like I've done that, right? This verse is one I could read before, before this lesson. I could read this and feel okay. But now, God has peeled back a layer, and I'm finally getting to level 0.5, but I'm trying to get there. Okay, next verse, Proverbs 28, 27. Again, this one's a little easier if you only read the first half. So let's pick and choose. Let's read the first half. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing. Yeah, buddy. I've done that. We're going to go. Preach it, brother. Let's go. Oh, wait. We can't pick and choose half of what the Bible says? Everybody else does it. Why not? Not at the body Dayton, okay? We're going to read the whole verse and read what it says. For those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them will receive many curses. Wow. I don't know. Don't look at me like that. I don't know what that's going to look like. But I can't just read that verse and pretend I didn't read it. And I can't just read half that verse and pretend I'm good. I'm not telling you today to go out and give away all your possessions to the poor. Only God can tell you what to do on this subject. I'm telling you that this week, God took me to the Dream Center in a part of Dayton that needs his love. And then he gave me these verses to read. And I'm, it's messing me up. Because God's, I think God's trying to push me to that next level of understanding what this looks like of understanding what true love really looks like and start saying that I'm good enough at level at here because it's not about... Uh, we'll get back to that. Okay. So I need to give... I need to be generous. There's the poor. Is there others? Well... 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 or 8 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should have, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I have got to have this verse in here. Otherwise, you run the risk of walking out of here and doing something because you feel guilty. I am not trying to get you to go respond out of guilt. I am not, that is, I don't have the power to do that. I can mess with people's emotions and tell sappy stories and whatever. But this verse says that God loves a cheerful giver. And give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. But what does he say before that? Whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. And whoever sows generously, reaps generously. Often God speaks in principles in the Bible, right? Sometimes there's like things that are a little more clear, right? Don't kill. 
right? That's not a so sparingly reap sparingly kind of verse, right? And even when it comes to tithing, right, like that's a little more clear of God wants us to perform an act of giving financially back to him as a way of showing that he has control over our finances, right? That we're not going to solve it all with our own money. It's that even though things are going on in my life, I'm going to put God in charge of my finances. I want to challenge you in this because tithing isn't something churches talk a lot about because it can get awkward and People don't like hearing that, you know, money's tight, inflation's high, gas is $35 a gallon. I mean, right? I mean, we've all got some excuse as to why it's problem. My air conditioner went out last week. I know pain, right? Um, but if I give sometimes $20 here, a little bit there, whatever the amount may be, you give sporadically to qualm the guilt of not give, of, hey, I tithed because I gave money, right? If I, call, if I do that to qualm, to qualm the guilt that I feel in my heart because I know I should do more, then I know I've missed what God called for me. But what if you actually give 10% of your gross, which means like before taxes, before everything else, my W-2 says X, and I move the decimal place one point, <laughs> one way, right? That's 10%. What if I actually gave that amount to the church? Am I good? Or have I just done the same stupid thing over again and said, ooh, if I can give 10% to the church, then I'm good. Let me challenge you with something. Because <laughs> I, I don't say this to brag. I say this to say that I've learned in this. You can get to 10% and God says, great job. What's next? Whoa, whoa, dude, seriously. You... But when I made it 10% and I'm good, then I've turned I've turned the love and the grace of Christ into something I can earn. And I don't have to earn it. I already had it. Let's go back to the, the things I said it's not, right? It's not volunteering more. It's not being in charge of something. It's not teaching up front. It's not tithing 10%. Those are responses to the love that I have in Christ. Those are what happens because I already have this. It's not me doing those things to get Christ's love because that's backwards. I have Christ's love and I love others because Christ loved me first. The Bible says that, right? Because the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before I did it right, I was doing it wrong and he died for me anyways. I don't tithe now because I'm trying to earn God's love. I give to the church now because God has loved me. I love that person who refuses to wear a mask because God loves me. I love that person who for some reason still wears a mask because God loves me. It doesn't matter. We've missed the point if we're trying to 
make a line that it's this good, this far enough, and it's not what God called us to. He didn't call us to a line of we're supposed to be this good. He called us to love him. We're supposed to keep, that's the whole point of what I'm trying to communicate to you today is to leveling it up, to take it to the next level. Where is the next level for you? Above the door, it says acceptance. That means I don't care if you walk in this door at level zero or level 1,000. I'm glad you're here. It says authenticity, which means I may try to put on a face that I'm level 1,000, but I'm really at level five. Because, come on, church people, we do that, right? We, smile, we scream at each other the whole way there to the church, and we walk in the door like, how you doing? There's one of those videos that Jeff had, what I remember, and this family stressing out and everything's wrong. And the minute they walk into the church, doves are flying, music's playing. I don't know anybody who really does that, right? Um, it, my kids are getting older, so it's becoming easier. So for you, hold on, parents of young kids. It'll get better. But, man... Oh, we try to put on a face and act like it's okay, but it's not. So acceptance. I don't care what level you're on. We're glad you're here. I don't care if you're not even comfortable walking in the walls of this building and you just walk, watch on Facebook every week. We're glad you're here. You're part of the body Dayton. Authenticity. We're not going to pretend like this isn't what goes on. We're not going to pretend like we don't have struggles. Action. That's the other word above the door. I walked under it to get into this room. So what am I going to do now? I saw this stage filled with kids welcoming someone else in. And you know at that age, the younger kids, right? You're trying to act cool. They want to be cool like you, right? But it's not always works the same way, right? Action. We saw people come up here. We saw you as a church come up here and pray over those kids. Do something. Miss Olahana was mentioned during our announcements today about her connections that she's developing with um, St. Vincent's, right? Said that right? Right, and opportunities for us to serve and to love others there. John is developing this relationship with the Dream Center for us to lure, love and help other people there because... I grew up in a farm community. I didn't see a homeless person. A farm community in Minnesota where it's cold. I don't know that I really saw a homeless person until I was like 18 or 20. So in that amount of time, a stigma had grown up in my life. I mean, why don't they get a job? Stupid things we say. Why don't they just X? Why don't they just Y? This is me, man. I'm, I'm trying to be authentic. Like the, It's so simple for me to justify why I drive past somebody and don't help. You know what I say to that? I don't know what they're going to do with the money. But... There are groups of people that we are coming in contact with that specialize in ministering to the people that need. If you don't know what to do, 
then work with an organization that does, right? I'm not telling you to walk downtown Dayton and start changing people's lives, which would be awesome. If you are ready to go and the Spirit's on you, do it. But this loving others and loving the poor, I don't know how to just, do I just walk downtown and turn my wallet upside down and let it blow out the window? No, that's not really going to change lives, or unlikely to, right? Let's go partner with organizations that are ready to do something. Let's go partner with organizations that love people, that know what to do to serve. They've already got food kitchens set up, right? They've got people lined up to share the gospel when they walk in the door. And if they're at the Dream Center, if they're at Target Dayton, if they're at other great St. Vincent's, if they're at other great missions that are there to tell about Jesus Christ, and to show Christ's love, then let's partner with those. Stop coming up with excuses of why you're not, and you don't know why, how it's going to be used. You don't know whatever. And get behind an organization that's guaranteed. This one's hard because of this week. But I read a Facebook post from a friend of mine, and in reference to some things that have happened this week, And he said, as Christians, we need to stop saying, y'all need Jesus. Jesus would just fix this problem in our society if they just had Jesus. And then they turn around and they walk away. We can't keep using you need Jesus as an excuse and not be the person to walk out there and show them Jesus. His, his post hit me so hard because it's, it is so easy to come up with excuses, isn't it? Why I'm not. Why I can't right now. Why I'm replacing an air conditioner. I'm fixing a flat tire. I'm whatever. But that's, go back to the Bible. Did Jesus write conditions? Like when all your tires are full with air and your air conditioner works properly, then give to the poor. That's not the way he wrote it, right? So I'm not even really sure how to get out of this message. (laughs) Because I'm like, hey, we got to do more. Let's go. So the best I can do is give you this message at where I'm at. And that these are the verses that I'm struggling over. And I know... Is it Miss Kim who coined this phrase, when you don't know what else to do, do what you know to do? Is that right? Did I say that right? I butcher it sufficiently. (laughs) If you know God's called you to do something, like love the poor, and you don't really know what that looks like, go find someone who does and allow them to fulfill the mission that God has placed on their heart. When you've been called to love the people in your church, you don't really know what that looks like, then say, I'll serve anywhere. Put me wherever. It may not be where I feel called, but I want to serve. Kelly and Ohana lead something called Deep End. Or not Deep End. I'm sorry. Growth Tracks. Get it in there. Right? But as part of that, they go through the ministries of the church and talk about all the ways you can serve. And so if you don't know what that looks like or where you can get involved, talk to Kelly. 
And he'll get you a hold of the right people. Because we, don't, we need to serve the world out there, right? And we need to serve the church too. I don't think we're ready to sell the building and just disperse into the community, right? I, there's, there is, we are called to gather together and to encourage and to train and to equip, right? So serve, serve the least of these. Serve the least of these. Because we're no better. We just put on a face. <sighs> so the thing I want to finally leave you with is again to try to get rid of the stair-step idea of Christianity. Because I talked about leveling up and that inherently implies like stair steps, right? Level, you're going up a level. But there's never a top, right? The goal, there, it's a goal we're going to. It's not a goal that's going to be achieved, right? It's, it's that continue press forward. Once I've got it, sweet. What's next? You tie 10%, sweet. What's next? You serve in a ministry, sweet. What's next? You give to the poor, sweet. What's next? Because you're not going to be done when you're involved in one of these ministries. I didn't, if you walk out of here and think I just set a different goal and a bar you need to achieve because then you won't be guilty, you've missed the whole thing. I'm trying to push you. That may not even be the next step for you. Maybe the next step is just saying, Jesus, I don't know about this, but I know I need you. Maybe you've never taken step number one. Maybe it's saying yes to Jesus and asking him into your life. Maybe it's saying yes to Jesus. I can't do anything good enough for you. I need you. My kids, every one of our lessons on a Sunday morning ends with the ABCs. Right? And I hear you say it with me when they're downstairs. So can you do it with me now? Yeah. All right? All right. A, admit. Admit that you've done wrong. Right? What's B? Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. What's C? Choose. Choose to live your life every day following him. Man, that C, if you're already a Christian, that C is where we're at. It's not ABC, we're done, right? It's ABC, C, 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 right? It's today I'm going to choose to follow what Jesus has called me to do. And when I have made it up step X, then I'm going to keep going to step Y and keep going. Well, I, I started late in the alphabet on that one. That kind of ruined the point. Right. <laughs> we're talking hexadecimal. After 10 comes A, B. Never mind. You guys, I lost you. Um, we want to keep pressing forward, keeping our eyes on Jesus Christ. So step number one may be saying yes to Jesus. If you don't know who he is, come and see me. Come and see one of the other pastors. Come see the person in the pew next to you. We want you to know Jesus Christ. At the body, Dayton, that is primary number one. We want to see people have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've done that. Maybe your next step is following him in baptism. If that's something that you need to do, let us know. We'll load that sucker up and we'll be ready to go. We love that here. 
Maybe it's, maybe it's, I just need to learn how to study the word of God. Maybe it's something beyond that. But that's, that's our goal in children's ministry is to week after week grow these kids so that by the time they get to sixth grade, they're ready to move into the collective, right? And that's why John in the collective has the kids up here on first and third Sundays and downstairs second and fourth Sundays because he's transitioning them, continually pushing them farther and farther towards Christ. And as they become adults and they sit in up here every Sunday, that it's not this, boom, now you're here, right? It's this transition, smoothing that transition into growing and learning as an adult. They still get to have all kinds of fun. They, they probably have more fun than pretty much anybody else in the church, right? But they're, they're, they're part of this ramp and this growth that as a church we've designed, not on our own, but of God's direction to, to move us forward towards Christ. All in the realm of acceptance, authenticity, and action. Because if we lose the A of action... It's like a stool. I, I grew up in a farming community. And the little stools that the farmers would sit on to milk the cow, they always had three legs for some crazy reason. It seems so unstable. But what happens if you knock out one of the legs on a three-legged stool? It's going to fall over, guaranteed. Those three A's are useless unless we do all of them. Except... You're accepted. We're glad you're here. Wherever you came from, whatever your background, whether you came from a denomination or whether you came from never knowing who in the world Jesus Christ was, we're glad you're here. Let's be real about where we are. And today, it's action. Let's press forward. Seek after Jesus Christ with all that we have. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you're still working on my heart. I thank you that you have given me these verses to struggle over the past couple of weeks. And Lord, I, I hope that each person in here just leaves today asking you, what next, God? That they didn't come here today thinking, well, maybe they did, but they don't leave here today thinking, oh, I went to church this week, I'm good. But Lord, that we leave asking you, what's next? What can I do to be closer to you, Lord? And then we shut our mouth and listen. And as we listen and we walk around our lives, we show love to the people we come across. To the people that we don't normally see, the people that we don't like to be around, the people that make us uncomfortable. God, thank you for putting them in our life. Show us how to show your love for them. Because, Lord, we're going to step out in action and pursue the one, just like you did for me. In your name we pray. Amen.